This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. And welcome to the Five Star Zone. Evan Jenkins, Rico Beard, and... Today, I'm bringing in somebody who, look, college football is just weeks away. Everybody likes reading about their team. But if you want to read the truth about your team, if you want to read an accurate report about your team, you want to pick up Pick 6 Preview. You want to grab a hold of that. Brett Sianza, the author, the writer, the guy in charge of the website, kind enough to join me here on the Five Star Zone. Brett, how you doing, man? Hey, Rico. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's been a seven-month grind since the confetti fell on the, you know, the national title stage there. I begin prep on my next year's book. So uh, it's my 10th annual this year. It's a one-man operation here. Um, all 66 Power 5 teams. It's, uh, you know, spring games. It's numbers. It's film. It's calling coaches, calling coordinators. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, just released. So here we are. Yeah, before we get into like the local teams here in, in Michigan and Michigan State, I kind of want to go into that process of seven months. You just sit there, you just do a deep dive. Like, does nobody see you? Like, I mean, how does that work, man? I'm just like, because if you do it all by yourself, man, that's a lot of time. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's almost an all year project when you think about it. I mean, it all starts the previous season in the fall. I mean, I have my my four screens set up every Saturday watching games from noon till 2 a.m. Um, you know, Sunday I wake up, I run my numbers, I you know, log in all the game data, uh, read all the AP games, uh, game recaps. And, uh, and then throughout the week I'm on radio, I'm listening in the radio, uh, local podcasts just to get the real flavor of the team. But yeah, so with the book process, uh, I mean, I go team by team. I review their season, uh, both numbers and film. Um, I make a few calls either to beat writers or to coordinators or head coaches. I've been, been lucky to talk to a lot of head coaches this year. Um, and then, yeah, I start, uh, I start the writing process. The graphics are all another beast in there. So on each page you get uh, their five-year win trend, their 10-year recruiting trends, uh, my coordinator grades or percentiles. So the key that I, I, I try and strike a balance is I have my numbers, but I put it into readable format. So you get the real story of the program, not just the numbers. So, um, so yeah, that's just a long process done. Um, now, you can imagine this year was a little bit crazier given the transfer portal. So this is a, a whole new project that I've had to deal with where, you know, usually you have a handful of guys maybe that are transferring around. Um, I've had to delete so many paragraphs and rewrite, as you can imagine. Uh, I still loved it every, every second of it, but Michigan State's kind of the poster child for that. Uh, they were the, the most active transfer portal program out there. So we'll talk about that. But, 
yeah, heck of a process. I love it. And uh, my 10th annual, the first nine years I've been graded the most accurate in the country compared to the other magazines and newspapers and, and online publications. So uh, in terms of Power 5 predictions. You heard it for you heard it here, folks, folks. Uh, Brett Sianza from Pick 6 Preview has no life. He just does college football <laughs> year-round. Brett, and, and you talk about that. Do you get any flack from the coaches or the coordinators because – your preview is unlike any other preview. And and I got to be honest with you, and I'm not saying it because I got you on the phone line. Yours is the only one that I read. Yours is the only one that I really fool around with because you don't care about stroking egos. You don't care about, oh, I got to make this fan base happy. Yours is the actual truth. Do you ever get any flack from coaches saying, well, we think you should rank us higher or we think we're going to be better than this? Well, I appreciate that praise. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming at it as a third party here. And, and the difference is, I think in the other magazines, they'll have 100 writers. They'll have one writer per team, uh, a local guy, and, and they do good work themselves individually. But you're, you're not getting a consistent voice when you're talking about, you know, one beat writer per team. But with me, I'm doing all 66 myself. So I'm coming at it from the same perspective and, and grading across conferences, across divisions. And, yeah, when I'm on the phone with these coordinators, no, they, they actually appreciate my coverage on Twitter. They like that it's a balance between the numbers and the, and the story. Um, you know, some other accounts and some other media might focus on other topics, but I stay strictly football. You know, I don't bring any other, other stuff into it. Um, and then, yeah, on the phone, too, it's all about how you talk with them, with the coaches and coordinators. I don't really bring up rankings. I don't really bring up uh, standings or predicted order of finish or, you know, all-conference teams. I really just talk X's and O's. I want to learn about the schemes they're running. Um, and maybe some of the position groups, some personnel that's either coming back or some, you know, how some young freshmen are looking and how they fit their schemes, that kind of thing. So um, just in conversation, I don't really even bring up the predictions. I don't bring up the rankings or, or playoff push, that kind of stuff. Uh, I talk strictly football, and then, yeah, then I throw it into my book, and eventually you have to rank them. But uh, that's not really the, the point of the calls. Hey, Brett, uh, when you're doing your, your uh, breakdown of all the different Power Five schools, is it easier to do a conference like the SEC where you're trying to, you know, you have so many good teams and you're trying to figure out the order that they're going to finish? Or is it is it easier when you're doing like the ACC or the Big Ten where they clearly have one team that's on top and then really just, you know, a bunch of other teams also ran? Yeah, it's funny. It really fluctuates year to year. Um, sometimes you get a division where it's, it's – um, uh, very, uh, what's the term? It's like a ladder where you have, it's a clear divide between first and second and third and fourth all the way down. Uh, in other divisions, it's just a mess. I mean, the, the Pac-12 South this year, for example, with USC, Utah, Arizona State, and UCLA, that's four quality teams. It was really tough to, to whittle that down to pick one winner out of the four. Um, other divisions, it's hard to even find one team that, that, that should win it. So, um, you know, it fluctuates year to year. Sometimes the biggest debate I have is between like a weird like third and fourth in a division where they're pretty much even. Um, you know, so it really does fluctuate. In terms of conference champion, if that was what you meant there, yeah, it is easier to predict Ohio State most years in the Big Ten and, um, you know, Oklahoma almost every year out of the Big 12. They've won six in a row out there and they look like they might have their strongest team yet. So, yeah, in terms of where the, the trouble spots are, that really rotates year to year. It's funny and like, so, for example, in the SEC West, it was hard to pick a last-place team this year. I liked what all of them have coming back. A lot of them are going through their second-year coach bonus. Um, and I, I almost put Auburn last in the division, even though they're the top-ten recruiter. So, yeah, it's tough. Um, 
you know, every division has its own quirks year in and year out. That's what I like about it, though. It's it's, it's so it's probably the most accurate that I've seen, and it's, it's it's the truth. It's not a bunch of flowery. Oh, this team is great, and this team is great. You break down their strengths, you break down their weaknesses. Let's head to the Big Ten. In the Big Ten, you talked about it uh, a little bit earlier on here. Mel Tucker, Michigan State, probably has to be the biggest question mark because he came in in a pandemic. He really didn't have any time to bond and gel with his team. And then once they got on the field, it looks like he hated half of them and he replaced half of them with transfers. How do you come up with, you know, the Michigan State breakdown based off of such little information that you have? Yeah, absolutely. This is one of the most unknown teams out there. I'll be honest. It's uh, it's very variable what to expect from Michigan State and Michigan for that matter. But with Michigan State specifically, yeah, when a coach takes over, you tend to see a decent amount of transfers out and transfers in. That's normal. I mean, you know, the, the prior regime recruited to a certain scheme and, re, you know, recruited to a certain type of player. And uh, the new guy probably has his own standards. So you do see that that, uh, that cycle of transfers tend to happen. The issue was just given the timing of when Tucker came in very late in the process, February or March, uh, that was late. And then the uh, quarantine that's just shut down the whole off season. So basically that initial transfer cycle had to wait a, a whole calendar year. So he basically did a double switch this year. Um, so I think it was 27 players or yeah. something like 30 players transferred out uh, and about 20 transferred in. So you have a massive roster shift. Um, and these are, uh, these are quality players coming in. These aren't just backups or walk-ons coming in. You have some Power 5 starters, um, some non-AQ FBS starters, uh, some top 150 recruits, even a Division Three All-American. So um, very interesting. When I broke it down position group by position group, there was a lot to like uh, in terms of potential and raw talent um, yeah, on Michigan State. So uh, when it came out to having to rank them, it was tough because I could see it going you know, a, a wide variation of how this, uh, how, how the win loss could break out. But I felt comfortable putting them above Rutgers and Maryland just on talent alone, um, but not high enough to, to supplant some of those top 25 caliber teams at the top. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I thought the same thing last year. And then I think we all, all the Michigan State fans got that big splash of cold water when Rutgers walked up in the Spartan Stadium and just kind of slapped them around. Looking at what Greg Schiano did, I was like, Mel Tucker kind of took a page from Shiano because Shiano brought in, I think, like nine transfers that first year for him. Tucker's bringing in over 20. So, you know, it's going to be difficult. And, and I guess the other thing is, especially when you have programs where you don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be, how do you figure that in? Yeah, that's, that's certainly true. And, 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 yeah, you're right about he's taking out a, a page out of Shiano's playbook. Um, the difference is I, I think it's more it's quantity this year with Michigan State. It's like 10 additional players um, and definitely a higher talent level base not to start with because remember Rutgers was one of the lowest recruiters in the country. Um, so Michigan State at least has a top 30 recruiting profile to build off. Uh, in terms of quarterback, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one piece of it. I think that maybe the other publications out there might be too scared or um, you know, overvalued the quarterback uncertainty where if the, if the quarterback's returning, they go right to the top of the standings. If the quarterback is not returning, uh, you know, put them at the bottom. I don't really look at it that way. I try and look at each individual player coming in. Um, you know, Peyton Thorne, for example, um, yeah, he's not a, an, as experienced as a starter, but uh, he flashed well against Ohio State. I think he completed 12 straight passes, threw three touchdowns against Penn State, and 
uh, brings a dual threat element that, uh, that has been lacking at Michigan State for quite some time. So I like what you have with Thorne, albeit young. And then, uh, you know, the, the floor, if you want to look at it that way, uh, is an, an experienced uh, group of five starter with Russo. And he's based out of uh, Temple. Uh, that's where I'm based out of uh, South Jersey and Philadelphia area. So I'm familiar with him. Uh, you know, he's got a big frame. He's got a pro arm. Uh, the issue was just turnovers. So if he can cut down on, on the picks, uh, he could be a capable starter. So to answer your question, yeah, even though there's uncertainty about who it is, um, I look at it as one of the 22 positions, and, and if there's a couple guys competing there that could that could lead some wins. So um, they'll figure it out, and it's a good battle. It's going to have to go down in fall camp. Brett Siasa, pick six preview. You need to pick this up. You need to read it. I'm telling you, it's the most accurate breakdown of your team because, hey, college football just around the corner. Let's talk about the other team in the state of Michigan. If Mel Tucker may be the, the guy that you really don't know a lot about, you got Jim Harbaugh, a guy who I think you know a ton about, but he's just not getting the results out on the field. When it comes to Michigan, I mean, what, what was the challenge there when, when you were breaking down Michigan? Yeah, so with Michigan, it's kind of a tease because on paper you have a top 10 or top 15 roster in terms of recruiting. Uh, that They're pulling in blue chips every year, uh, you know, five-star and four-star kids. And the, the actual performance on the field last year just didn't match up with that at all. Uh, they actually finished in my bottom 10 in power five in my game grader formula. So it matches with what you saw. They were two and four and just looked pathetic uh, in certain weeks. Um, I thought the Wisconsin loss would have been grounds for a firing. You know, I don't get involved with hot seat talk, but it was hard to imagine with, uh, Michigan getting humbled that badly against Wisconsin there, 49 to 11. Um, but as it takes with 2021, you know, actually, for a crossover of Michigan State, it reminds me of Mark D'Antonio's staff shift that he did his uh, his staff carousel a couple <laughs> years back, where he uh, where yeah, where he flipped the coaches all around to new roles. Right, where he rearranged um, the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yep. Yeah, yeah, or like a musical chairs kind of act, and yeah. uh, so that's exactly what Michigan's pulling this year. They have a quarterbacks coach that has never coached quarterbacks, um, offensive line coach that is a little bit unfamiliar there. So they're kind of shifting guys around. They went younger with their staff, a lot of ace recruiters. Um, but in terms of X's and O's, we'll say they, they also fired Don Brown, their longtime defensive coordinator. So, yeah, so staff questions uh, are, are standing out to me with Michigan. Um, if they can get back to their normal playing level, I mean, they can compete for the top three in the division. But, um, you know, with, with variabilities there with the staff, they still haven't figured out the quarterback spot too, where with Harbaugh, you would imagine uh, he'd be the quarterback whisperer, as he was known. Um, but last year he had two hand-picked guys, and both kind of whiffed and both transferred out. So um, I know they have a five-star, J.J. McCarthy, coming in. He'll be very young. Uh, we'll see if they can lock down the quarterback spot. But, again, just like Michigan State, they are one of the more unknowns. I mean, they have top-10 talent, uh, but they played bottom-10 football last year. And, Brett, uh, when you're sitting here looking at the Big Ten and – I, I guess, is it fair for a program like Michigan that prides itself on winning championships, going through this transition with the new assistant coaches, not knowing your quarterback, and Ohio State being the juggernaut that it is, is this something that, and I know you don't get into the hot seat thing, but you, you may give Harbaugh a pass for this season because he's going through this type of change? Yeah, so you know, Michigan situation reminds me a little bit of Auburn, and I get the question down on my SEC radio shows too about Auburn and, and formerly Gus Malzahn, their head coach. It's tough to be you know direct rivals with one of these dynasty programs, with the you know Auburn being direct rivals with Alabama, Nick Saban, and then now Michigan Jim Harbaugh being 
directly rivals with the Urban Meyer machine, and right now Ryan Day has elevated that machine. So it's really tough. I mean, you can't really fault the fault Michigan for struggling against Ohio State. The rest of the country struggles with them. So it's tough. I mean, you almost have to just lower the standards a bit. I know Michigan will hate that, um, but it's just a fact of the matter. You know, Ohio State has one of the best rosters every single year and now a proven coaching staff year in and year out. So uh, it's tough to make up ground. I think for Michigan's sake, uh, they need to clean up against the rest of the division. They need to clean, uh, you know, take back the wins against Penn State, um, start, to, start to really emerge as the second team in the conference, um, and then start battling Ohio State. But you know, right now they're just a face in the crowd, um, especially coming off the 2-4 and four season and the staff change. So I think first things first, they need to get back to playing some solid football. You know, most of Harbaugh's tenure has been solid. It's been that 10-win range. It's just the, the elephant in the room has been Ohio State and then the bowl losses. So, you know, that, that leaves a bad taste in the mouth over the, over the offseason when you, you lose your last two each year. Talking with Brett Sianza from Pick 6 Preview. And, Brett, um, apparently I'm the only person that's higher on Maryland. A lot of people have Maryland picked where you have them picked. I, I look at uh, – was that I think Tulea Tungavaloa to his little brother at quarterback. He improved as the year went on until he got injured. I look at what Mike Loxley is doing, bringing in top receivers and top recruits. Defense may not be great, but offensively they could score with anybody. But am I the only person that sees, I think that Maryland could be a sleeper in the Big Ten? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, with Maryland, I, you know, they're, a, they're a sneaky team week in and week out. Who knows when they're going to strike? Uh, last year over here in my region in Pennsylvania, they, they shocked Penn State, um, a, a program that really dominates our area uh, in recruiting and in an alumni base. So Maryland shocked them. Uh, what I put in the book about Maryland was I think next year, 2022, is when everything's going to align for them to move up the ladder in the Big Ten East. Um, yeah, uh, Tegavailoa, I really like. I have him as a top five quarterback in the conference. Um, but they're replacing a lot at the running back stable. Their offensive line's been hit or miss. Uh, and when you look at their recruiting, yeah, it's been huge. And trust me, Penn Staters in our area have noticed um, that there's a new recruiting threat in the area, in, uh, in the Pennsylvania and uh, DMV region. Loxley's a homegrown guy. He's from Maryland, loves, it, loves his program there. So, and when you see a lot of the – they signed a couple of five stars in the 2021 class. I think still, uh, you know, still too young this fall. They'll be true freshmen. But I look at 2022 as a chance where they're going to be all in their second or third years on campus. You'll have another year of experience with Tagovailoa. Um, some of these great transfer receivers are coming in. So, yeah, I think that next year, look for them as a, as a sneaky team. Brett, if, uh, if there was ever a chance for a, a sleeper to come out of the Big Ten, would this be the year for Indiana? I think, I think Michael Penix Jr. is the best quarterback in the league. You got a lot, like Ohio State's going through some transition. Yeah, they, they just reload. But at the quarterback spot, they got a couple of guys that could go in there where Indiana's probably the most established team coming back this year. Is their window pretty much this season, but is it that big of a shock if they came out of the Big Ten East? Yeah, well, uh, I spoke with Tom Allen, their head coach. I think that he's uh, he's an incredible pro, uh, program builder. It's funny, I talked with him last spring, so before this breakout season, and he was saying all the things he wanted his, his defense to be physical, he wanted his offense to click, and – uh, it was cool to see it all come to fruition last year with one of their all-time best teams. Uh, with that said, I like the roster talent on Penn State better. Um, you know, they had a down year out of the gates. They started 0-5 Penn State. Uh, but they're, they were a lot stronger than their record showed, and I like what they have coming back. I actually have Penn State second in the East, Indiana third in the East. 
Um, if you're looking for a sleeper out of the conference, I would almost look to the West Division. And there's, there's two really strong teams, Wisconsin and Iowa, who you, you know their formula. You know exactly the kind of team they are and what I'm talking about. It's big offensive lines, power run games, taking care of the football and offense, but just a, a stout defense. Wisconsin especially on defense, my gosh. Uh, nine returning starters, uh, one of the best back sevens in the country, and a great coordinator with Jim Leonard, who who turned down the Packers' uh, offer. They they called me and he said, "Hey, I'm staying right here in Madison." So, um, so yeah, I, I, if you're looking for sleepers, I would look at the two West programs that are a bit more proven to have staying power. Now, that's not to knock Indiana, um, but Wisconsin and Iowa, you know exactly what you're getting every year. And their recruiting profile has elevated the last cycle or two. So look for an even stronger version of what they used to be. Brett, in the end, are we just looking at uh, Alabama, Clemson, part five? Well, it's funny you mentioned those two. Actually, I have neither in my playoff prediction this year. It's kind of getting a lot of attention. Um, you know, I'm kind of met, uh, flirting with disaster there going against both dynasties. But, I mean, first with Alabama – yeah, I know they reload most years or almost every year, but this year is a bigger one than ever. They're losing three Heisman candidates, their offensive coordinator, two All-American linemen, uh, and six first-rounders. And remember, they didn't have that developmental cycle all of last year, so those new fresh faces are a little bit newer than usual. I like Georgia out of the SEC. And then with Clemson, this one's really catching a lot of attention. Um, and, uh, it's a changing of the guard at quarterback. Their defense got a little bit exposed against Ohio State against a high-powered unit. And I think UNC, the Tar Heels, uh, they have the offense to do it down there in the ACC. Uh, they have Howell a very manageable. I yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy to think, but they have the offense to do it. They have a Heisman candidate. Uh, I spoke with their coordinator, Phil Longo. He's just an offensive genius, the way they spread, uh, spread the field horizontally in the pass game, but then, uh, you know, but then have a downhill run game to pair with it. So, uh, and when you look at their schedule, UNC, it's extremely favorable. They'll, they're going to be favored in all 12 games. You can mark this down right now. It sounds funny, but UNC is going to be favored in all 12 or at least 11 of 12 games this fall. Um, you know, even if they go 11 and one, I think that sets up a win and in against Clemson in the ACC title. And they certainly have the offensive firepower to do it. So yeah, I'm going against the, the tradition here. I'm, I'm going with without Alabama and without Clemson. Wow. Okay. Now that see, folks, this is why I get him on this podcast just for stuff like that. He doesn't give you what you want to hear. He tells you the truth. He tells you how he sees it. Uh, Brett real quick, before I let you go, Last year, and we kind of you hinted upon it. Twenty twenty, you had players opting out. How, how much do you should you take away from what you saw from your team last year during the pandemic? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I go through sixty six programs. You can talk about sixty six unique situations. I mean, everyone had their own issues to deal with. Uh, you know, the West Coast teams had more sh- uh, shutdowns, and uh, Stanford and Cal had lockouts out of their own city. They had to go to a different state to practice. Uh, then you talk about how it hit, you know, the actual virus hit certain position groups on teams and had long quarantines. Um, you know, you had game cancellations, you had opt-outs, you had a whole off-season without coordinator installing, uh, you know, coordinators installing their schemes. So really just so many asterisks all over the place. Um, you know, I give all the credit in the world to the players that, that decided to opt in and play, and they sacrificed so much of their time and their, their energy and, um, you know, getting to see family and friends. Uh, so the real MVPs for all the players that really sacrificed a lot and, and suited up. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to you know, say the season didn't count or anything. It's just it's hard to glean as much as you'd like, and especially at Michigan State. 
when you go through such a late coaching change and have a, a completely different roster, it's hard to take much away from 2020. But hopefully, uh, you know, across the country, everyone's getting better uh, in terms of everything. Uh, and 2021 will be a, you know, a, a more celebration of a season with, you know, tailgates back hopefully and, and more fuller stadiums and complete seasons and non-conference games, all the stuff that makes college football special. Um, hopefully we're heading towards a, a more, you know, more traditional year and one of the more anticipated years yet. Trust me, as a Michigan State alum, it was so frustrating watching them last year. They get curb stomped by Rutgers and Ohio State, and then they go to the big house, they beat Michigan, and then they beat the uh, Big Ten West champions in Northwest figure. I have no idea of what to expect from this team. Brett, tell people how they can get a hold of your magazine. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on again and, uh, and for the praise. It's at Pick6Previews on Twitter and Pick6Previews.com. And again, that's the 10th annual season preview book, all 66 Power 5 teams. It's a one-man show. It's me. I'm calling coaches, calling coordinators, watching game tape, running my numbers. And I have the most accurate title there in Power 5 predictions since 2012. So uh, pick6previews.com. Brett, appreciate your time, man. And uh, everybody, get out there, pick this thing up. If you want the accurate, if you want to hear the truth, if you want a good way to maybe sound like the smartest man in the room, pick up uh, Pick 6 Preview, Brett Siansa. Appreciate you coming on, Brett. Thanks, Rico. Appreciate it. So we just had Brett Siansa on from Pick 6 Preview, and I'm telling you guys, you need to get this magazine. It's it's fair. It's accurate. My man puts in a ton of work. You heard him. He doesn't eat. He doesn't sleep. He does it year-round. I, I should have asked him, like, dude, are you, do you even have a family, a girlfriend, a wife? Because it doesn't sound like – if he does, he has time for anything. But I didn't want to get into his personal stuff. But, Evan, you heard all of that. I'm thinking right now I need to hop on a betting app and put a ton of money on UNC to win the ACC. Because I'm quite sure you can get good odds for North Carolina, especially because everybody's going to pick Clemson. Yeah, exactly. And it was interesting to hear that because you never expect to hear North Carolina involved with football at right. all. And then <clears> – <throat> Sorry about that. There is um, one thing that I took out of it, but it, it's just a nerdy thing that I picked. So you know how, like, comic books collectors call them books? Right. And he kept calling his magazine a book? Right. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but I, I get it. It is a book. I mean, oh. it essentially is. He's putting out the college football oh, Bible every year. Dude, hundreds of pages. I mean, he breaks it down by conference, and then he breaks it down by division based on the order that he has. And, and look, I, I'm not going to give it away. But I, I, I've watched it, I've read it, and I walked away saying, you know what, I can't disagree with anything that he said. The only one that I thought was maybe I'm a little higher on Maryland, but he said I'm just a year too early on Maryland because I see what Mike Loxley is doing down there, bringing in all those five stars. If he could ever just get a defense, Maryland is the team, when you play them in the Big Ten, they're the wild card. You don't know which Maryland you're going to get. Is it good Maryland or bad Maryland? Because if you get good Maryland, Ohio State found out a few years ago what happens when you play good Maryland. They beat them in overtime. Like 57 to 55 and or then, something silly. And then sometimes you just get bad Maryland and you just pummel them and you're thinking to yourself, how did this team just beat Penn State last week by 50 and we're crushing them by 30 this week? So Maryland is a wild card. Every year. Yeah, it seems like they're kind of a front-running team where if they score first and, and can pounce on you, they're going to pr- pretty much finish you off. But if they get down, there's no coming back, yeah, at that's... least in the past. But that's where you look to you know, <laughs> advance, and that's where he says 2022 could be that year where 
you are more certain of what you're going to get out of them week to week than uncertain. Are they going to win? Are they going to lose? You know what I mean? Yeah. You at least know what you're going to get when they're coming. I thought I thought the Michigan thing was interesting. Um, talking about the shuffling of position coaches and dude, I, I told you that. But it's good it, to hear it, it, it from somebody yes. from the outside looking in. Because I said, man, this reminds me when D'Antonio did the sh- the coaching shuffle, and this is either going to be your detriment or you're going to be a genius if this works. And it ended up becoming part of his detriment that he he couldn't overcome that. You got people coaching stuff that they probably had no business coaching. And eventually it led to his uh, walking away, which, you know, maybe they'll do a Spartan 30 for 30 on the final days of D'Antonio and what really happened during that celebration. Wouldn't there be something else to see those days leading up? Like, you knew that Mark was going to walk away eventually. Yeah. But it all happened so suddenly. Like, there wasn't even whispers until the day of that that was going to happen. If you could do, like, a local 30 for 30, that's up there for me. The final days of Mark D'Antonio. Yeah, I would love. I would love to know what transpired. I mean, I mean it was on the, the heels of all those Detroit news articles about him taking a photo with a recruit. Like, why? I mean, I don't know. The whole thing was just silly to me, and it was, you know, he he got caught up because Larry Nasser's situation happened during a down football team, who also happened to have some kids that went to court and. It was just a perfect storm to get him out. It really Dude, was. I mean, think about it. I don't know, man. Maybe somebody should. Maybe we should. The, the local 30 for 30s. Because that, I mean, you could also probably do the final days of Harbaugh. Final you, days you, of Brady Hoke when see, that was going on with the Dave Brandon and the the quarterback who had the concussion. and Yeah, I mean, Shane perfect. Morris. I mean, perfect titles. You know, Brady Hoke's. D'Antonio's is pride before the fall. Mm-hmm. You know. I guess uh, Brady Hoax would be this is Michigan with a question mark. Yeah, this is Michigan. Yeah, it'd be like Will Ferrell and um, this is Michigan. Hey, this is Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you raise me up? Yeah, for Rich Rod. So no, that would be kind of fun. And who's got it better than us? Oh, well, I, I mean, guess at that point, it'd be who's got it better than me? The Jim Harbaugh story. Not many. So they really don't. I mean, there's not many places in in America that you could work and and fail at your job. Because, I mean, let's not mince words. He's failed at his job since coming in. Well, it's kind of like you look at the Dr. Anderson thing. There's certain people. There's certain people in power, and so long as they're in power, jobs are safe. And he took the pay cut. He's going to be back. He did the coaching shuffle. We'll see. Um, You know, I don't know how you bring him back if they get demolished by Ohio State because, as, as Brett said, it's... It's the blessing and the curse. Your rival happens to be a powerhouse right now, and you're not as good as that powerhouse. Well, I mean, Ohio State's kind of always been a powerhouse. Yeah, but it used to be a time where they were equal to Ohio State, and now it's just become a boat race. It used to be where when the game came up, I mean, you look back to when they were 1-2 and in the nation, and you didn't know who was going to win that game. That was a great game to watch. Also, I mean, at, at some point, I mean, 15 years ago is a long time. Right. It's a very, very long time to keep thumping your chest that this is us, this is what we do, we dominate. I mean, even um, the guest that we had earlier said he's not even picking them to be in the top four of the East. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Top four out of, what, seven, eight? Well, no, not to give it away, he does have their four. 
Therefore, right, but that, but that's what my right. point is. Like, but yeah, there's there's clearly a, a cutoff point. Like, okay, there's Ohio State, there's Penn State, and Indiana, and then there's the rest, and they're the best of the rest. So that that's where you're at with Michigan State just, and Rutgers and Maryland. It should be so. I mean, any fan should just be furious, and the fans that are. Still making excuses. I don't know what what kind of excuses you can still make, dude. I mean, you saw. I, I got sick. The, the one clown on on Twitter was telling me, "Well, who would you have?" Oh, the whole. Well, he's won a lot of games. Well, well it doesn't na- matter. Name me a coach that could beat Ohio State and get to the college football playoffs. Just name one. Mark D'Antonio sinned. Oh, well, you know. Okay, he was moving the goalposts, and it was clearly. You know, I told him. I was like. I want Jim to get a lifetime contract. As a Spartan fan, I hope he never gets fired. And I'm not saying I never want somebody to lose their job, but I think Mr. Harbaugh is financially well off enough that he'd be okay it's, if he lost it. It's the justification. It's Michigan saying we're the leaders and best, and you're not representing out on the field. It doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. And it, it's almost like the Tigers. How long is this rebuild going to happen before we see some production on the field? But it was never a rebuild with him is my problem. It well, never was. The players were always there. You the heard thing. it. They've had consensus top 10 classes for how many years now? Yeah, but here's the problem. Your best team that you ever had was somebody else's guys. Well, no, that's absolutely true. And that's that's what I mean when the but rebuild. But that's been Michigan throughout. I mean, when Brady Hoke won his one year, that was on the heels of the Rich, Rich Rod. Rod. Correct. And everything was a perfect storm. And then Harbs, his first couple years were the first two years. But... What the, he's trying to do is reinvent the wheel when his wheel wasn't necessarily broken. It just needed some WD-40 to get rid of the squeaks. Right. There was just a few changes to be that needed to be made with Michigan football. They were there. His right. first two years, they were right there. Right. You needed to make simple changes. Instead, he, new you know, offense. He did, no, he and, needed a quarterback, and he never got that quarterback. Well, sure. I mean, think about it. He needs one that could take over a game, and he's never had that. He's put in receivers in the league. He's put offensive linemen Every in the position. Fullback. He never had that quarterback. He's yet to put a quarterback to get drafted in the league, and and that's a problem. Well, man. and I think running back's a big thing, too. He hasn't had a star running back. No. He's had a bunch of five-star guys. Who, I mean, Michigan has always been. I'm still waiting for Ty Isaac to do anything. Well, Cause, cause think, oh, he's Eddie George. This guy's he's. But six think about feet. how many kids they've had come in and do that. Like Derek Green was like the top running back in the nation, wasn't he? Yeah, he and was. He played one year there and transferred out. Look at that. Cream Walker was somebody that I heard about nonstop, and it's another kid that transferred out. And I'm not saying it's necessarily a scheme thing because there are games. It has that, to be a scheme thing because Evan, they're putting offensive linemen in the league, so you got you got the big uglies up front. Clearing out space, you you're just not running the ball well. Well, I also think it has to do with ego getting in the way. And sometimes I feel Jim Harbaugh believes his way of winning is the right way, and it's the way that can get it done. And that those days are over. Like pounding the football up the middle, it's over. Yeah, it's over. That doesn't work in football anymore, especially when you've continuously done it on first and second down. Yeah, but see, now you can't say it's over because you may not win a national title, but Wisconsin is still Wisconsin, and Wisconsin will always just but jam sure. it down and, your throat. And I get it, but Michigan says that they're better than that is my they're thing. Not. They're not, which is funny because I think that's what a lot of <clears> – because <throat> Mike all the time says, I want to see scoring, and, I'm, and I tell him, like, Mike, Mel Tucker is building this team. It's going to be very Wisconsin-like. It's going to be very Iowa-like where I, 
He's going to pass the ball. He's going to hit receivers. Sure. You're looking at he's upgrading his offensive line. He's trying to bring in those big uh, running backs. He wants to pound the ball. He was totally embarrassed that he did not have one rushing touchdown from a running back last season. That stuck with him. Well, when they had their success, Michigan State, they could run the ball. And he, he that's what his he's going to do. Now, he, like I said, he's going to be the biggest question mark. Big Ten media days are getting ready to come up and, you know, I'm anxious to see, you know, how the local teams pan out. Does Michigan bounce back? What is Mel Tucker and what is Michigan State football? Because I don't think last year, I mean, with some 20-plus transfers, this thing's going to look totally different. And either I, – I do think that you're probably going to have to give Tucker a couple of years for it to gel. I don't know if he can catch lightning in a bottle and instantly compete. This year, for me – if you could get to six wins, get to a bowl game, that's a win. Now you got something. Build upon that. I do think that it's going to be Peyton Thorne at the, at the uh, quarterback spot. He, I mean, my goodness, if you saw the spring game, he's always repping with the ones. He's working out with, uh, with, with, with uh, Kareem uh, with Walker. Kenneth, Kenneth Walker and, and Jaden Reed. So I, I think that he's going to be the guy. It's going to be fun to see. Big Ten Media Day is coming up. But, yeah, if you haven't, make sure you check out uh, Pick 6 Preview. Get their magazine. It's it's really accurate. I mean, he's not going to tell you how pretty you are, but if you want to get a good grasp on college football. And I like the fact that he said, I'm not going Alabama-Clemson. He's like, yeah, North Carolina and Georgia. So it's a bold we'll move. All right, what you got for me today? All right, so yesterday, a Michigan State had a recruit commit in the name of Simba Carter. What is the best nickname you remember in the Big Ten? Because, I mean, Simba's pretty good. Man. Right. How about he could just go with his first name is Chase. I'm like, okay, you're a D lineman and your name is Chase. Right. Come on. But, yeah, he, Chase wasn't good enough. He's going to go with Simba. The best nickname. I mean, Edward Baker and Rock was pretty good. Yeah. Because he was just a, a, a bowling ball running through. Jeez, that's a that's a. Great question, and, and I and I as much as I hate it, shoelace was a great nickname. Shoelace was a great nickname. It was like I was like, what the heck is shoelace? Gosh, I, I'm trying to think. I don't. I can't think of one right off that. That's a great question. You you stumped me, man. I'm trying to. think. That's my goal. I like putting you uh, on the spot, and usually you're you're Johnny on the spot and kill gr- it. But a great nickname. There really aren't in college football. That's that's why I bring it up. Like you just don't hear it. Yeah, I'm trying to go down the the the, the Rolodex. In my um. Mind. Well, there's a kid now that Michigan State has oh, that linebacker. No, no, no. Juice Williams. Oh yeah, Juice that, Williams. So good. I was going to say Tank. They had the kid Tank playing linebacker. Yeah, they had the kid playing Tank there, but Juice Williams. Because that is so good. Juice. I mean, he and was he, phenomenal. And he was at so quarter. good. Right. So, yeah, your name is Juice Williams. So, yeah, Illinois quarterback Juice Williams. That's my answer. All right. That, that's a good one. I like it. <laughs> All right. All right. For uh, Evan Jenkins, I'm Rico Beard. Thanks for listening to the Five Star Zone. Make sure you go out, pick up the uh, Pick 6 preview of college football. Trust me, you will enjoy it. We will see you next week.